On this episode, I interview Chris Ciccinelli. He is president and CEO of Pure Romance, and he led the company into double-digit growth, which is not bad from a guy who graduated second to last in his high school class. Enjoy. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. And a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. So, I mean, I, I just have to ask the 166th out of 167. Yeah, so let me tell you something. I I always laugh when uh, people hear that, you know, when 166 over 167, right? So, and that was at Moeller. So literally, you know, I graduated and they walk you in graduation order. So everybody knows the dumb people are in the back it's of the It's not line. alphabetical. No, oh, no, no, no. So it's literally <laughs> how you actually walked in order. So it was, you can imagine your, your parents being in there right. and how proud they were that you were at the back of the class. I see. Yeah, so it was, it was great. That it was, is really something. Yeah. Do they still do that? I don't know, but I tell if I, I will tell you that that was, I didn't understand it at the time, but now, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh my God, if my kid's back at the back of the class. But, right. but then you kind of fast forward and you say, you know, I just didn't really apply myself at, in school at all. Zero. Yeah. And I think it was because they didn't really pay me in school. So at the end of the day, <laughs> when they started paying me, I felt like I could, you know, definitely, you know, start up, you know, putting myself out there a little bit more. Okay. So high school, do you go to college yeah, or do so you go I, straight into the business? Yeah. So I did. Um, I went, no, I went right to, uh, from high school. Um, I had problems with, I had dyslexia. I didn't know that. That's why one of the biggest issues is I, I had dyslexia. I, um, I wasn't able to pass my SATs. I had different scholarships to play football. Did not get actually into college until about July. So I had to go to Division three school, which was called Mount Union College. Went up there, uh, played football up there, um, and uh, that was where I went to college. So glad I went there, though, right? Things happen for a reason. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yes, I went to college. After I got done with, with, with college... I moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I was kind of uh, taken on a job that I was working for a, a a group that basically had carpet stores, right, around the world. So they had about 500 different carpet stores. They're a publicly traded company that was down in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And they had just went through this big acquisition. They were looking for people that could actually had any type of uh, experience in, in floor covering. So, of course, I went down there and uh, because I had one summer at Color Tile. So, of course, I'm now uh, the carpet expert. Um, so, What did you do? I, like sales? Yeah. So I did. I started off in merchandising. Then I went to marketing. And then I went into running a, uh, a $28 million region for him up in Chicago, which was called Carpetland USA. In how many years? Uh, that was in within... Uh, six months of graduation what? because they went through this explosive growth. They didn't have anybody that could actually do some of the work and they were just looking for any bodies to kind of throw in there to to do. So my training was basically getting out of college, going and working in a corporate environment for a couple months and then all of a sudden, hey, we need to throw you into Chicago. Can you go in and run a business for us up there? And so that's where I kind of learned a lot before I came back to work at Pure Romance. Okay, so you moved to Chicago. Yep. You live in Chicago how many years? I lived in Chicago for two years. Okay. Yeah. And then what happens? So then uh, I'm in Chicago. The corporate office was based in Atlanta, Georgia. They said, can you come back to Atlanta to come back to the headquarters because you, do, you did a good job in, in Chicago. We want you to take on this new thing because everybody's going to be doing this at some point and it's going to be it's called the internet oh, and God. and so they were they were uh you know this is in 2000 right so Ooh, people internet. were like we're trying to um 
Uh, they were trying to take floor covering, uh, blinds, uh, wallpaper, wall covering, and they wanted to build this thing, which was called EverythingDecor.com. And they needed some of uh, some young people to kind of help, you know, start this. So they brought me back into the corporate office in Atlanta to actually do that. Um, that lasted for about six months uh, till my mom came to me and said, hey, I need some help. And I'm like, what do you need help with? She goes, Chris, I need you to come back to, I would love you to come back to Cincinnati and help me grow my business. And I'm like, mom, I am not moving back to Cincinnati, Ohio. There is absolutely no way. And because at the time, Cincinnati was not the way it is today. No, and it, it, it wasn't, but, but here's the other thing. You know, my mom started this business in 1983 in the basement of her house, right? So right. she was a she was a consultant first, and then in 1993 she opened her doors of the, her company, which was you know slumber parties, and then it turned into pure romance. Well, 1993, I'm a I'm a senior in high school. Um, you know, I didn't really ever think that this was going to be a, a business or anything else like that. And from 93 until 2000, seven years later. You know, she took it from zero to a million dollars. Wow! And uh, everybody always asked me, you know what was the hardest point in the business? And I said, I wasn't there. When you go from zero to a million, that's the hardest of any. Because that's when most small businesses fail within exactly. those first, yeah. And she, and, and, and I always say, I'm not the entrepreneur, I'm the operator. And, and there's a much, there's a there's a big difference between having that entrepreneurial instinct and, 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 and having an operator instinct. And, and I think that so many people uh, think that they are entrepreneurs, and you'll find that that's not the truth. David Falk was in and he spoke about the difference between a pioneer and a developer. And that was you just gave two different terms, but yeah. it's the same concept. Yeah. Right. That pioneer is your mom. Yep. The developer is you. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's and that's kind of really what it did. And so in 2000, when she asked me to come back, I really didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, she was like, look, I want to I, I know I have something. I want to diversify the company. Uh, I want I, I'm just right now in Cincinnati, Ohio and, and Detroit, Michigan. And. I want to get this out to more women. And at that time, she had about 300 people that were selling for her. She was doing fantastic, uh, but she just needed to know how to scale it. Okay. And uh, in utilizing that couple years I had in, in you know, uh, well, I call it kind of franchising with the car carpet stores and everything else like that, uh, I was able to kind of come back in and and help scale it from that point. I didn't know what, what we were going to do. I really didn't. But I just knew that after looking at this, I didn't. I, did, I thought it was a play business at first. That's really what I thought. That's why I didn't want to come back to Cincinnati. I'm like, you thought it was a what business? Play business. Like I was like, this is just something fun for my mom to do, right? Like, you know, that kind of stuff. And and now looking at it, that was so. Uh, it was just so. I can't believe my mind thought like that. But because I thought business was run on these large corporate scales and things like that. Um, but I'm so glad I actually came back to do this. But. The grind was the first, you know, three years. We lived, my mom and I lived in a U-Haul going from city to city, you know, for three years, you know, only coming home Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, by building this business because we knew we needed to get more people selling for us uh, in different areas. It couldn't just be Cincinnati and Detroit. We had to go to St. Louis. We had to go to Atlanta. We had to go to uh, Charlotte. We had to go to all these different areas um, because we need to not only give people an opportunity to own and operate their business, but we also had to educate women about their bodies. And also the divorce rate was creeping to, at that time is creeping to past 50%. Today it's 60, but there was nobody out talking about how to keep your relationship uh, creative and fun. And we, we, we just saw so many people wanting more information. So was she the face of it? Like, was, she, oh, was yeah. she the one that was talking to possible consultants? And okay, so she was the face and then what was your role? So my role was, I basically said, 
uh, I knew that Patty needed to be the Mary Kay of this industry. She didn't Patty, want that. And Patty's your mom. Patty's my mom. And Patty had no no desire at all to to do that because her thought process was, was you know, my mom was you know, packing the orders. She was receiving orders. She was doing parties. She was playing customer service. She was doing all those roles. And I said, mom, if we are going to grow this and you're going to be successful, then you need to get off the warehouse floor and you need to become the Mary Kay of this industry. And she's like, that's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. She goes, I go, why? She goes, why would anybody care what I have to say? I said, you, you are so articulate. You have a way to educate so many people she connects with people so easily and that was the biggest that was the biggest thing that her and i had to sit down and talk about because she felt like she was giving up something but what she was really doing was she was giving more of herself than she could have ever thought because she was she was normalizing what everybody else thought was like oh god that's kind of back alley stuff like you know what these products you're selling you know but patty made it so um easy and she made it so uh, normal to have these discussions and she her job was to go out there and be that kind of I call it the Nike swoosh the Mary Kay she was the brand and when people look at pure romance they see this heart I always see that hearts Patty's heart because mm-hmm. that she is the one that, that did you did start calling her Patty then when did you uh, shift? When did you like not call her mom anymore? So, you, when you sell relationship enhancement products, and you and you're talking about um, vibrators and things like that, you really you don't want to want to start saying, "Hey, mom, my what mom. do you think about yeah. this?" So I'm always like, "Hey, Patty, what do you think right. about?" Because I mean, my first product meeting was a little odd, right? You know, like I'm sitting here listening to all the products, I'm like, oh, so. Um, but do we, you remember shifting to that? Like, I would oh, think that yes. would be kind of a big. Yes. Shift. It was pretty much. Was that I, right away? I think it was right away. Yeah. Uh, and the reason is, is because um, we would catch ourselves having these conversations of people at radio stations and stuff like that. Would be like, "Ooh, you and your son do this together," and so we kind of said, "All right, let's just while we're." In the business, it's Patty, and when we're at home, it's Mom, and uh, we made that very clear up front. You know, as we're talking, I think it might be kind of cool, and you probably talked about this a ton, but maybe a story that you haven't shared. Because it is a mother-son relationship, I'm sure that there were some bumps in the road at the beginning. Um, And for those who work in family businesses, uh, one piece of advice or one story that you might want to share around some growth that had to occur because it was a a family-owned business. Yeah, I I think a lot – there was tons of bumps in the roads. And a lot of people would say, is it different working with family? And family businesses have their own dynamics and a lot – And own culture. Oh, very much so. And I would say that our biggest bumps was trying to find our own areas that we would concentrate in the business. And, and you know, in the beginning, uh, it was bumps because Patty was giving up so much control, right? Because she had been the person in charge of ordering and, and development and, and growth strategies, you know, because that's what she did. And uh, to turn that over to me and say, hey, look, you're now going to be in charge of kind of where we're going to go, how we how we grow, uh, kind of what are we going to be offering to our consultants from a pay plan perspective, um, how to deal with, you know, hiring and firing of people coming in. And Patty moved to um, the product development and training side. That was where she really focused. So it was almost like church and state. But there were so many times where, she, it, you know, as the entrepreneur, it was so hard for her to back away from the things she gave me to run. Mm-hmm. And um, how'd you manage that? You know, I, there was uh, in the beginning. I would say that there was a lot of uh, of arguments and territorial stuff. I think I, I think she fired me three times. I quit stop, five. Stop. You know, that that's just I think that's part of family businesses. You're like, I'm done. You know, you throw right. your hands up and you walk away. And a lot of that is because um, you just 
you don't know how to problem solve with each other. Or you don't know how to have a conflict yes. because conflict at home is going to be very different from conflict at work. Totally. Like how you respond to it. Yeah. I mean, most people, when they leave their job, they leave their job and they don't have to deal with their boss. But when you leave your job in a family business, you your boss is at is, is your family as well, yeah. or you know you're kind of working together, and it and it that is is sometimes hard because so much family stuff can overlap in the business, and business can overlap in the family. So, any piece of advice to people that are in family-owned businesses around like conflict and yeah, I you know what we what we have done with the conflict conflict is we try to get out um, of the office and we don't do it at one of our houses. And we, if we have problems, what we've learned to do is this, is we've learned to give each other, you know, it's almost like we give each other 10 minutes uninterrupted to talk, right? So we literally set a timer. We both of us state our positions. And then from that point, we, we, once that timer's done, we've given our 10 minutes and then they can ask, we can ask each other questions. And then from that point, then the other person would go. So what we found is we were we both are A-type personalities and we would literally be talking over top of each other and we'd walk away and it was just anger. So what we had to do was we had to put ourselves on more of a, a of a timer program. When did you figure that out or who told uh, you to do that? You know, we took a lot of people that we talked to with family businesses and over the years, just learning from other people and taking best practices. And I always say best practices are uh, uh, just basically getting to the middle road. You know, everybody's trying to race to the middle for best practices today. And we just sat back and that this worked for us. And it's something that we, we've kind of implemented, you know, going forward. Um, because we both are passionate. Passion is, 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 is something that, you know, that she is passionate about her business. I'm passionate about what we do. Um, so working together, because we both have mutuality of interest, which is growing this business. We both want to see more women. I mean, we have 23,000 women today that are working in, you know, multiple continents. And we want to make sure that, that we're doing in, each decision we make benefits them and benefits their family. So, you know, we're passionate on different things. But you have you have a common purpose. Absolutely, right? one thousand percent. Any other family members in the business? So, yes, Matthew, um, my my younger brother, he is. We've given him the Canadian division to run, and he's is doing, that new? Yes, it's it's within the last two years. Um, and Canada's about ten million dollar market for us, and he's doing a great job. Uh, you know, and, and and doing fantastic up there, and he's really taken on owner of that which is good for us as, as as family because it gives him something to also sink his teeth in awesome so, okay so younger brother yeah and then lauren my sister she's a consultant she does parties every once in a while um but uh you know she she is really has done a great job with uh with that that part of the business but she doesn't really want to work on the corporate side do you think you want your kids to go into it um, I don't know. I mean, like, I, you know, you never know what is it going to be a generational business or not. I don't I haven't thought that far because I have a nine, six and five year old. Right. So my my world is um, we're still in, you know, fourth grade, first grade and, and pre-K, you know, or kindergarten now. So, yeah. So you got some time to oh, think about yeah, that. Totally. And, you know, I'm 42. So, I mean, I got I got I guess I got 18 more years of doing this. Eighteen? Don't you think we have a little longer than that? I don't know. You deal with twenty three thousand women. You tell me if you <laughs> could deal with that for 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 eighteen more years. And I love all of them. I know, but it is like literally. Uh, you know, I, I have lost my man card a lot. Uh, I have, I work with a lot of estrogen, um, and it's so fun because I'm typically when I go to meetings, I'm the only Guy. male. Right? You know what? And that's role reversal. It for is most so of us role in the reversal work, for excuse me for women in in the workplace. Yeah. 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 So you 
can really understand us more. Yes. And, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, trust me. I learned really early on. One of the best advice was just I learned to shut up and listen. And that everybody asked me, how have I been successful working with, you know, women, you know, in, in business owners this so long? And I said, look, I learned really early on that if I just they'll tell you everything that they need and everything they want if you just listen. And that that advice has carried, you know, so true in everything that we've done and and not just listening, but listening and actually making things happen from their the list of stuff that they give us. Yeah. And uh, and that's been very powerful over the the years. I mean, first three years with my mom, I mean, we went in 2000, we went from 2001 to 2002, we went from a million to four, four to eight, eight to 16th. I mean, we were, we were growing at a hundred percent clip, uh, you know, for the first four years, but that was like living out of U-Haul, all that type of stuff. I just want to take a quick minute to talk about my strategy and production partners at Gwyn Sound. If you're a company, a startup, or an entrepreneur, Gwyn Sound can help you define your sonic strategy or produce your audio content. You're probably wondering, what do I mean by that? Well, you know the music that you heard on this podcast? They actually wrote that for me. It's beautiful. But whether it's your branded music, voiceover, sound effects, anything your consumer or audience hears, they can make it more effective. Find them. Check them out. GwynSound.com. Were you always good at math? Uh, no, I was 167, I 169. Remember right, that? Right, I know so, that. But you, um, you are a numbers person, though. I, you know what? I and div- with dyslexia, like, my God. It's because I had a, you know what it, what it really was is um, as I started to get into the business, it, just like anybody else, when you find you're passionate about something, you will find that you have more in this brain than you will ever know. And I find that so many people are just, they un, they're not utilizing everything they have because they haven't found what they're passionate about. They haven't found what they they love to do. And and when it becomes a passion or love, you will be so amazed of what you really can accomplish. I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I would rather live the life by design, which is I tell that is one of my biggest things I tell people is live a life that you design, right? Like you decide what you want. You go after that life that you are uh, trying to build. I know that kind of sounds a little hokey to some people, but I think so many people today live the life that they think they should be living or something that has been designed for them. And I always say that in, in, in a bathroom, like a Macy's spread, you can rip out a Macy's spread, walk into Macy's and say, I want this bedroom set. I want this uh, uh, this comforter. I want these shams. I want this. And it because you see it online or Pinterest or whatever, mm-hmm. but you don't see that for your life. Where is that Pinterest board for your life? Where is that Pinterest board? And I think so many people are looking for that. And and you have to understand that yes, your shams, yes, your uh, your bedding spread, yes, your uh, kitchen and everything else is out there because you could see that for Pinterest, but you can't see that for your okay, life. Okay, so when did you realize that? When I, did you get that learning lesson? Because I, you said at first when your mom said move back, you were like, I don't know. I think this. I think the whole ever since moving back, um, and I would say my first two or three years in the business, that's where I found like, gosh, I really do have the power to design my own life. Was it because you were getting some wins? Yeah, I think it was because I was getting some wins, but I was also I was also starting to see that the impact that that we had on so many people and that we were able to help them change their lives. I mean, you're talking some of these some of these ladies were making, you know, five six dollars an hour now making a hundred thousand dollars a year and now they're starting they didn't think that they could actually ever have that life and somebody came up and to me one at one of the meetings goes gosh thanks so much for allowing me to design my life i've been living somebody else's life and i went oh 
that is money. Yeah. That is true because you, you, we all you know, go to school, we graduate, we go to college, we get in a relationship, uh, we get married, we have kids, then we drive a minivan, right? Like that. that's kind of the succession. And so we start living this cycle life and we don't think that we can actually design it because we stop dreaming because in our world that we live in today, we get jobs and jobs stands for just over broke. And you think about that, like that's what that's the cycle we all go through. So I you love stop, just over broke. You stop. You stop thinking about things. Job it, just yeah. over broke. Yeah, that, I and that's love what that. and that and and most people, that's what we talk about a day. I don't care where you're at. I mean, you think about eighty six percent of the United States right now has less than five hundred dollars in their bank account. You think about 86, 80, 80 plus percent people are living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, there's not a lot of time to okay, dream Chris, or build. Okay, so let me. Let, Let's get into your psyche just for a minute. Yeah. So you graduate 166th, okay? Yeah. Where did you get this confidence? Was it sports? Was it your parents? Were you born with it? Like No, I don't think for I For some people, I mean, graduating at the mm-hmm. bottom of their class. Yeah. Not knowing about college until June yep. or whatever you said, mm-hmm. June or July. Yeah. What what, where is this? Where do, where does that come from? You know, I uh, I will tell you that I think a lot of it was was athletics, right? Like you know, being part of a team, uh, you know, gaining self confidence through that was very very helpful. I think going to Mount Union College, I always say, you know, I walked in a boy, left a man, right? Um, and I and I learned so much about uh, uh, about myself there. But I think what's giving me more and more confidence is. Uh, this is going to sound crazy, but the more and more people that we've been able to help or we've been able to uh, help them build out their life that they wanted to design or that you see in them to be able to pay for the college or or the private school for their kids or whatever. And each of those different rungs or those different pieces or different steps has given us more and more confidence over that years. So I'd say my confidence comes from the, the outreach or the help that we're able to provide in this business. A lot of people have slogans that they get to change lives, right? And you see it on TV if it's, you know, with this product or that product. But to really see it in front of us each and every day and and having these women in this pink collar army that's marching through to to go out there and to own and operate their own business, understand that they don't just have to settle anymore um, and giving them the abilities and tools to help their families become the breadwinners of the family. That's giving me more and more confidence each year. And do you think that um, that resonates with you so much because you experienced it firsthand with your mom? Oh, when I think I think there is a definite uh, uh, succinct piece that my mom helped me with. My mom was the one that taught me how to set goals. There's no doubt about it because she set goals when she was, you know, I was eight years old when my mom started in this industry, right, 1983. My, I watched her set goals. She taught us how to set goals. My mom also was the one that said, you know, you have to respect money. you got to be, you got to live. Maybe give, give a little background about your mom. Yeah. Because I know that, but maybe people listening don't. So single mom. Single mom. How right? many children? She was she was working for four pediatricians, making $4.25 an hour. She had four kids. I was the oldest of four. My mom, you know, saw this on a Phil Donahue show, right? And so that's how she got into it. It was called Fun Parties at that time. She literally signed up, bought a kit. That kit shipped. She's living in Cincinnati, Ohio, like Milford, like kind of Mayberry, right? Like, and all of a sudden she said, I'm going to sell this product. Well, the only thing she ever knew about these types of products is when you went to the gynecologist, right? That was, right. and that wasn't really a pleasant thing for anybody. But she decided, like, hey, I want to make some extra money. And my mom went and did this in 1983. And, you know, where a lot of people were like, you're crazy. I can't believe you're doing this. What do you, you know, you have four kids in school. But she was like, look, 
I'm struggling right now to make money and I got to find a way to take care of my kids. Yep. And my mom was the mom that- Was she you, just over broke? Oh, she was broke. There wasn't just anything. It was just, hey, we were barely making it. I mean, we lived in an area of Milford that was kind of government subsidized, right? My mom wouldn't take any handout. But you got to remember, her mother worked at Kroger's as a cashier. Her father was a truck driver. Um, she, you know, came, you know, and she's like, look, I didn't go to school to be a, uh, 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 to work for the pediatricians. They basically gave me the job and I was the lady that changed the stuff out in and out of every patient coming in. So that's what she did. But she went her first year and was able to go out there and my mom would do 20 to 25 parties in a month. So she was out 20 to 25 nights, but she would make $200 a night by doing these parties. So how, who took care of you guys? So basically Domino's Pizza. Oh. And Dunkin' Donuts. Thank you, Domino's Pizza and <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. Well, you know, it, it's true because my mom would leave like 10 bucks like, all right, guys, you're going to get pizza tonight. And then we always knew when my mom came home. I mean, 20 parties a night, but she told us why she was leaving. 20 parties a month. Or 20 parties a, a month. She told us why she was leaving every every night to go do a party. And that was to be basically to get us in a, in a better situation. And, you know, she would throw the money down. She'd come home. And we knew it was a good party if it was Dunkin' Donuts. If it was a bad party, it'd be the gas station powdered ones. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, a little less so, expensive. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but she really was the one that really taught us the whole thing about work ethic. Okay, so you started to say she helped you set goals. Yep, live she... financially independent, take chances, be able to not be a, a follower but be a leader. Um, when you're a consultant's child, or you see this, you see this woman pull uh, you out of a situation that. You know, when you're you're kind of envious of the kids that are wearing Nikes or having nice stuff and you're wearing like pro wing psyche type of thing and uh, and you see this happen, I didn't really appreciate it at that time. But as yeah. I've gotten older, I think that has helped me uh, to really uh, have a more appreciation of what we do every day because we see so many of those women were able to do that same exact thing that my mom has done. So to carry that torch and to be able to give that same opportunity to people is pretty pretty kick butt. So the the modeling was definitely yes. from your mom. Yeah. From Patty. Yeah. Okay, here's your question. So what do you think was sort of your biggest challenge that maybe brought you to your knees or humbled you that you haven't shared with anybody else but would be really helpful for those listening? Um, you know, it, does it have to be business? No. Okay. So, uh, you know, I would say that uh, my biggest challenge to date um, was that, uh, you know, so I have three children and my oldest child um, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, about two years ago, uh, came to me and uh, at eight years old and said, "Hey, Daddy, I think I'm, a, I think I'm a girl." And uh, that was probably the hardest thing. And I know a lot of people you can't understand that, but you know, since the age of five, you know, Elsie's been you know telling us, "Hey, you know, I'm a, a Daddy, I'm a girl." And Elsie was born a boy, a boy. Yeah, Elsie was born Luke Christopher, and. Uh, and so I would say that, you know, for years and years and years, uh, you know, I, I we would hear this. And I'm like, no, you're a boy, you're a boy, you're a boy. And so finally we're down in Florida. We're, we're on vacation and I got frustrated. And I remember I got frustrated because Bye. I came home and she was on her iPad and, and doing all the different things on her iPad and not talking to her brother and sister. And I was just frustrated. And Jessica goes, she's not going to go to dinner. And I said, why isn't she going to go to dinner? We're going to go with my mom. And she goes, she's not going. So I walk in, talk to LC. I'm like, what's going on? She goes, you won't let me dress, wear a dress, Dad. And I'm not going to dinner because I've told you. So I'm like, I'm done with this. I How grabbed... old is she then? Seven. 
Seven, so two years later. Yeah. Okay. And so I finally grabbed her. I said, fine, we're going to go to Macy's. I said, Jessica, I'm going to fix this right now. I'm done with this. If she wants to wear a dress we're in public, we're going to do it. So I take her to Macy's and I'm literally walked into Macy's. I said, all right, we're going to go to the girl section. And all of a sudden, I finally didn't know where the girl section was. So finally, we get in there and I, I go, all right, find a couple things that you want to wear. And all of a sudden, she comes and she literally puts this blue skirt on and this white top and was in the change room, came out and started twirling around. And we had this big, huge smile on, you know, at, at the time, Luke's face. And, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. So that night we went to dinner with my mom and this kid that never talked in public, this kid that never had any anything at all to do with anybody yeah. became this person. Oh, human being. It was insane. I'm tearing and, up listening to and this. And so to, to think that that brought me to my knees because I was... I was sitting here judging or telling somebody I was not letting my own child live their life by design. I was tell I was designing my life for my child. This is who you're supposed to be because this is how you're born. And what I found is that's not that's the furthest thing. And if you would see Elsie today, you wouldn't even know Elsie was born Luke. And some people go, "Oh, have you? Have you? How could you let your child do that?" I'm like, "How?" Well, how would I feel if I lost my child? How would I feel if I lost my child to doing, you know, if it was, you know, it's a it's a high suicide rate. It's a, you know, and, and first of all, not even the suicide, but not letting somebody be their own, the person that they were, they were naturally born as. That's a travesty. And I would say that that's been my biggest obstacle because there's no playbook. There's no, you go to school to learn this or there's nothing. So I would say it. it Every day we have an uphill battle. Every day is a new day for us as a family. I mean, I have a lot of success. I, I, I say success and in, in, in work, people go, God, you're so successful. You know what, though? I, I would rather be success on this side with my children because this is, I think this is my More legacy. Important. Yeah. Is to say not just my child, but also there's 700 kids that are in, in just in Children's Hospital that are going through the same thing. 700 that are here locally in, that, Cincinnati. in Cincinnati. There's one doctor, there's one nurse, and one social worker, right, to take care of 700. Most of the time, there are 600 kids that are on a waiting list to try to get in to talk because they're there, and most of the people aren't even brought in by their parents; they're brought in by a family member. 50% of the people that actually come into the to the clinic are brought in by a family member, not the parents, because the parents are embarrassed. And I was too, so I'm not going to say I, I you was. You get it. I get it, and I was embarrassed. And uh, so when people look at that and how to overcome that is – you know, you've got to stay. You've got to stay committed to whatever process. You've got to stay committed to it, and you got to detach from the outcome, which is what everybody else believes or thinks. You stay committed to your, your helping your child. You stay committed to helping your your, uh, your other people see what they want to get out of it. It's kind of like dieting. Nobody likes to get on a treadmill, but everybody wants to freaking lose weight, right? Right, right. Same process is in business and in life. You stick to that process. You commit to that process. You don't worry about being wealthy or rich or successful you commit to the process that gets you there and i promise you'll see the end result that's what's helped us with this with what we've done that's helped us completely so earlier we talked about the developer and the pioneer yep. what were your terms for it the uh, operator and entrepreneur so i feel like um you've sort of been the 
operator yep. for Pure Romance. Mm -hmm. And now with LC, you're being the entrepreneur. You're the pioneer yeah. with this. And I'll tell you, yes. And you know what? It, just like anything else, I've 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 picked strong women to t t to team up with. You know, Patty being the strong, my strong like uh, person to help me. And LC has taught me way more about myself than anybody. I mean, those two women right there are two that uh, I'm very lucky that I get to work with. Well, I want to say that Cincinnati is incredibly lucky to have you and to have Pure Romance here because you're a great example of somebody that looks at that and propels versus paralyze. I appreciate so, it. Thank you for being here today because I know I know how busy you are. I know how much you travel, and I'm really grateful. Well, thank you. I appreciate this. this is great, and thank you for doing this for the city then for everybody because I think more and more people need to need to hear these stories. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, Anna Bolke, our producer, and the incredible team at Gwyn Sound. If you liked this episode, please, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and write a review. What's a theater, tough neighborhood, drug dealer, and a case of Heineken have in common? Find out on the next episode. I'm going to be interviewing Lynn Myers, CEO of Ensemble Theater.